in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do take your seats. The rock band U2 sang, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Sir Alexander Fleming, research scientist, discoverer of penicillin, and Nobel Prize recipient said, one sometimes finds what one is not looking for. This month, we're homing in on some of the men and the women whose memorials are found here at St. Paul's. Among them, musicians, artists, politicians, campaigners, missionaries, architects, faith leaders, physicians, and scientists, one of whom is Alexander Fleming, whose ashes rest here. You might be surprised that great scientists are associated with places of faith, but there are many Christian faith, Christians whose faith and scientific endeavors have revolutionized our knowledge and our lives. Past and present, these include astronomer Johannes Kepler, who crafted laws of planetary motion, Edward Jenner and Louis Pasteur, and their respective work on vaccines, Gregor Mendel, the father of modern genetics, Max Bonn, physicist and mathematician, instrumental in the development of quantum mechanics, neurosurgeon Ben Carson, the first to successfully separate twins conjoined at the head, and Monica Grady, she is a leading British space scientist and is currently professor of planetary and space science with the Open University. And then J. Richard Gott, professor of astrophysical sciences at Princeton. When asked about his religious views in relation to his science, Gott replied, I'm a Presbyterian, I believe in God. I always thought that was the humble position to take. I think if you want to know how the universe started, that's a legitimate question for physics. But if you want to know why it's here, then you might have to know, to borrow Stephen Hawkins' phrase, the mind of God. So let's come to Alexander Fleming. The story is medical legend. Fleming, a modest Scot, based in a laboratory in St. Mary's Hospital here in London, returned from holiday to find mould growing in one of his culture plates. It made him stop and look twice, noting that where the mould was growing, the bacteria expected had died. The world's first antibiotic had been found. This changed forever the treatment of bacterial infections like pneumonia, syphilis, diphtheria, scarlet fever, and previously fatal wounds. Nothing, however, happens without a context. As early as 1920, Fleming was searching for antibacterial agents. It was an endeavor that had been deeply influenced by his experiences during the First World War. He had served at the Western Front, 
in battlefield hospitals and a makeshift lab as part of the Royal Army Medical Corps. There he studied wound infections and discovered that the commonly used anti antiseptics were not having anywhere near the sufficiently beneficial effect that was needed. With the war over, Fleming returned to London and began working at St. Mary's Hospital, which is not so far away. In 1921, he discovered lysozyme. It's a bacterial enzyme that's found in our tears and in our saliva. It was just the beginning of the breakthrough. Eight years later, Fleming would make his most famous discovery. What was initially referred to as mold juice had by 1929 been named penicillin, and it revolutionized medical science for all the subsequent generations. But when Fleming first published his observations, they failed to gain much attention. After some stalled attempts at mass production, Fleming turned his attentions to other areas of work. It would be Australian pharmacologist and pathologist Howard Florey and biochemist Ernest Chain, a Jewish refugee who had fled Hitler's Germany for Britain, who having read Fleming's paper would attract funds and continue the research that were allowed for mass production. And that was just in time for the latter stages of the Second World War, which meant that on June the 6th, 1944, Allied soldiers carried penicillin with them onto the beaches of Normandy. It's estimated that 100,000 men benefited from penicillin in the European theater of the war between D-Day and the final German surrender. A hundred thousand who returned to hearth and home. Fleming, Florey and Chain shared the 1945 Nobel Peace Prize in physiology or medicine. And penicillin is said to have saved the lives of at least 200 million people right across the globe since then. Giving thanks to God for this devout physician, might we learn from him? Firstly, that context matters. Fleming's vocation arose in the overlap between his skills and gifts and passion and the real needs evident in his context worked out on the World War battlefields. Where has God placed you and how might your gifts and experience be used there? Secondly, Fleming recognized the balance between individual and shared endeavor. In his acceptance speech at the Nobel Prize banquet, he said, I isolated the contaminating mold. I made an antibacterial substance, which I christened penicillin. I studied it as far as I could as a bacteriologist. I had a clue that here was something good, but I could not know how good it was 
and I had not the team. It was 10 years later that Florian Chain made up a complete team at Oxford, which succeeded in this and showed the marvelous properties of penicillin. And then his openness to that which lies beyond. He diligently labored in the place where his gifts met the world's needs, like many of you do. He did the work, he put in the hours day after day. Not only was he there, but when the opportunity came, he was open to the glint of possibility. He'd later say, if I may offer advice to the young laboratory worker, it would be this, never neglect an extraordinary appearance or happening. We might know this true of the spiritual life too, sometimes the hard slog of prayer, of seeking to align our character, of living the values of the kingdom, and then the glint of grace which brings us to our knees. Scripture is woven through with those sorts of epiphanies. The woman to whom Jesus came beside a well under a hot midday sun. Moses the shepherd catching sight of a bush alight, flaming but not consumed. Joshua inquiring and encountering a stranger outside the city walls of Jericho. Diligence, curiosity, openness, especially to the things of God, meant that Fleming, as he said, one sometimes finds what one is not looking for. Fleming concluded his Nobel speech prize with these words, destiny may play a larger part in discovery. It was destiny that contaminated my culture plate it was destiny which led Chain and Flory to investigate penicillin instead of the many other antibiotics which had then been described. And it was destiny that timed their work to come to fruition in wartime when penicillin was most needed. It may be, he added, that while we think we're masters of the situation, we're merely pawns being moved about on the board of life by some superior power. Might we learn that context matters, that there's balance between individual and shared endeavor, and that there is joy to be found in openness to that which lies beyond. And lastly and more somberly, might we listen to Fleming's warnings and act on those of his successors. Fleming predicted how useful antibiotics would be, but he also warned of how dangerous the world might be without them, if humankind failed to grasp how precious a gift they are. Today, with concerns over overprescribing and of the extensive use of antibiotics in farming, we hear warnings of a post-antibiotic era in which infections won't be easily treated with the drugs that we have today. We did this to ourselves. We bear the responsibility, says journalist Marin McKenna, 
We did this by squandering antibiotics with a heedlessness that now seems shocking. Furthermore, last Monday saw the publication of a landmark report by the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Our world's leading climate scientists warn that we have only 12 years in which to act. 12 years in which to limit catastrophic climate change. Change that would significantly worsen the risk of drought and flood, extreme heat and poverty for hundreds of millions of people. They say that urgent and unprecedented changes are needed by all of us. And I quote, it's a line in the sand and it says to our species that this is the moment and we must act now. This is the largest clarion bell from the science community. Today, as we give thanks for the work of scientists and physicians, and especially the life and the legacy of Sir Alexander Fleming, we fail to honor him and we deceive ourselves if we ignore his wisdom and that of his successors. May God grant us wisdom and humility to listen and courage and determination to act. Amen.